Welcome to the Burn Podcast with host Ben Newman, the show where we break down the drive of the world's top performers in sports and business to uncover that underlying burn that pushes them to perform at the highest level. Today's episode is brought to you by the Financial Advisor Academy and the Unrequired Coaching Program. To learn more, head over to thefinancialadvisoracademy.com. Now, here is your host, Ben Newman. Welcome back to another episode of The Burn. For me, today is special because we have one of my friends here with us today. We have some opportunity to do work together. And one of the things that I love so much about Dr. Brett McCabe is the, the day we met at Alabama, it was like we had a similar mindset, a similar passion for the players. Humongous honor to have the opportunity to be in that building at Alabama. But at the end of the day, it's about the heart, the mind, the passion of the player and the individuals that you work with. And the more I've gotten to know Dr. McCabe, I mean, you talk about the burn. You know, here's a man who his entire life has been committed to doing what it means to be your best, but also doing that as he serves others. Had the opportunity to play baseball at LSU. Now has gone on as a psychologist to work with individuals on the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, uh, college programs all over the country, two-time NCAA national champion. And of course, as I mentioned, we have the opportunity to uh, see each other face-to-face, which I hope happens soon again. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) This is great. We had to, uh, we actually, in, in full disclosure, we always love spending time together, so we had to create a separate link to now do this interview because the, the first one expired. So I always love our time together. It never feels like enough. So I think the virtual time, because we're both so committed to serving and spending time and enjoying, you know, being with the program, I don't think we get as much time as we would normally would like. So this has been great. But I, I'd love to flip it to you and just have you share, you know, to literally go, you know, where did the burn start for your life to put in the discipline to go play collegiate baseball? not in a small program, at LSU, SEC baseball, and then to now continue to carry on your story to working at this extremely high, no higher level of athletics. Where does that burn really come for you? What is it that drives you on a daily basis? Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here, and it's an honor to work with you and and to be on the same team as you. And and I, and I love that. Um, you know, for me, I, I, I would love to say it was some sexy story of – you know, having this hunger where I stood in the backyard every day. But you know, I was an only child. My dad was uh, military. Um, he retired from Scott Air Force Base in Belleville, Illinois, near you. Um, and and we he w- he went back into pharmacy after he left. He was a navigator for C-130s. And when we moved around a little bit, after he retired, we had a little tough time as a family um, reintegrating into the society. And and his management style not really working. So we had some tough times when I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. Um, he, he got laid off from a job because he and the owner didn't get along. And, and it, it forced me to take a look at uh, the way that things worked. My mom was a brilliant, brilliant person or is a brilliant person. Um, and he was very stoic and very strong. He's passed away now. But um, I, I realized during that time it was okay to be authentic and vulnerable to your feelings and what you want. But I was a late bloomer. 
we always moved around. So I was never on the legacy teams whenever we moved to an area. I was always on the, the team that had the drummer playing second base, the kid who had never played baseball playing left field. But my dad was always the coach. And my dad played college baseball, and he always set up fairness, and he was always about development. Every kid played the same amount during the course of the year. Every kid started the same amount of uh, games. Um, and he used to tell me as the coach, look, look, you may be coached harder and you may have less opportunities because I don't want anyone to think that you're getting an easy path. And when I went to high school in Baton Rouge, I went to an all-boys Catholic school. I didn't know anybody. I was super shy. Um, I matured later than everybody else. I was the youngest kid in my class. And I was also two years behind in the growth. So I played very sparingly my sophomore year in junior varsity and got held back to play junior varsity my junior year. And then my junior year, I had some success. So I always played down with kids that were really my age, but I wasn't in my high school class, right? And then my senior year, I was the third pitcher on our staff. The number two pitcher got sick and had to miss the year with a kidney transplant. Um, great guy, just bad, bad genetics. And about April of my senior year, the coach at LSU, Coach Burtman, who's a legendary coach, called and said, you know, he'd heard about me through a friend and a friend of a friend type of thing and said, look, I would love for you to come to LSU, but you're going to have to sit out a couple of years. I mean, you're going to be a part of the team, but you're not going to play. And my dad and I just looked at it as a great opportunity. And so I went there and it took me three years to break in there. My third year, I would have been one of the, the starters and I hurt my shoulder. And um, really went from being in a short amount of time, a superstar to back to struggle again. And thank, thankfully for my parents teaching me how to be vulnerable and accept your circum, accept where you are, but work to improve your circumstances. Don't blame, don't, don't blame it on the coaching staff, even if it's a bad set of cars being dealt to you. And then my parents turned Standard me around. Over to, Standard over feelings, do it better. <laughs> if you're not playing, get better. And, uh, we, um, and so my parents sent me to a guy going into my fourth year. Um, we had won two national titles by that point. And I'd played a little bit, but not what I wanted. And sent me to a guy that taught me how to visualize better and kind of get a mental process in place and had a tremendous amount of success my last two years, led the team in appearances and a lot of statistical categories. And that's what turned me into psychology. And I realized if I struggled, other people struggle. And I wanted to understand it. I wanted to understand it from a deeper way. And, you know, it's just kind of like when you know you're on the right path, things work for you. I was a 2.8 student in business, not really a passion. Um, switched to psychology, never made anything lower than a 4.0. Everyone said, you're not going to get into grad school because it's too hard. I did at LSU. I had to because my wife was going to nursing school there. And, uh, and then I just, I said, okay, what do I need to do? And I worked my way up through the program. And then I ended up going to Brown's internship, which is probably the top internship um, for psychologists. And it was just one of those things where if you tell me to do something, I'm going to figure out a way to do it, but it's probably going to be a non-conventional way. And that's just always been my burn is I'm an only child. Don't tell me you can't do something. That's the, I think that's it. You know, like funny, right? We're building this house. And for six years, we, after we opened up our business and I left the pharmaceutical world, I wanted to move homes we didn't buy a new house when I worked for pharma because I didn't want to take a bad financial risk starting a business, but that would have been a smarter deal from a mortgage standpoint, right? Everybody would have loved my <laughs> W2, but we go to the bank and my wife is a brilliant financial person. We go to the bank and they're like, Oh no, you know, you're a business owner in these times we're not going to do it. 
and we'd sit down with people and they'd say, you have to hit these numbers and we'll give you the loan for a house. And we'd hit those numbers. And the next year they'd say, yes, yeah, I just don't, I just don't, we don't feel comfortable with small businesses in today's economy. And it just fired me up. I was like, screw you. You told me I can't, I will find a way. And that's what I do. It's like, I always find a way because tell me, tell me I can't, I show you I will. So I think for everybody, let me actually ask a question to, you know, everybody watching and listening. You know, this is one of those awesome periods of time where you have to ask yourself, you know, maybe the last six months, the last year, have you been in a position where somebody could have asked themselves that question? And sometimes we protect ourselves rather than going all in. And I love that go all in mentality, which actually leads me to, to this next question. So you performed at the highest level in collegiate baseball. I mean, two-time national champion. By the time you're senior year, battle the adversity. Everybody pay attention to these details. And then now you've gone on to work with national champion teams in college. You've got guys and gals winning tournaments on, on their respective PGA tours. And so you've been around the highest performers in the world of sports. And we're currently all watching this Michael Jordan documentary We'll probably, uh, you know, be towards the finish by the time we go live with your episode. But last night were the first two episodes. And, you know, Jordan's mindset, this uncompromised, all in, you know, the highest performers you've worked with, seeing and studying the Michael Jordans, being a high performer yourself, working with high performers. What would you say is the common denominator of the highest performers in the world of sports and in business? I'll give you three things, okay? The first thing is every great performer has a chip on their shoulder or a spark that drives them that is personal to them. Michael Jordan, if everybody's watching this, you're gonna watch this brilliant documentary, but go back and watch Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame induction speech. People thought he was a total jerk and he was actually panned in the media for the way that he did it. And it was completely off the cuff because he said he didn't want to say anything. He just wanted to come up and say thank you and walk off the stage. But then he wanted to talk. And what he did is he gave us an insight into his soul. His soul was the fact that he always used in his heart and soul that somebody was disrespecting him or doubting him. And he would create scenarios against competitors. Early in the, his rookie season, Sidney Moncrief is the best defender in the game. And he, he knows that. And so he says he doubts me. And my team has quit on me. See, he was creating schemas or things in his mind that motivated him. Okay, Kobe Bryant used the fact that other people couldn't work as hard as he could. But I wasn't as talented, he would say. But then he would say, I would overwork them. Tom Brady still to this day holds his draft card and still puts it out on social media. So everybody has to find what their spark is. Okay, and it, it doesn't have the to burn. go public. The, the burn, burn. Doctor, it doesn't burn. have yeah, it doesn't have to go out to the world. It can stay personal to the person with you in the mirror, mm. but it's the thing that says, if you doubt me, I, you know, you heard mine. Mine is that people tell me I can't, I'll find a way, right? Um, I think number two is you have, um, we, mediocrity has a million fans, excellence has a million critics, okay? So what happens is in mediocrity, we want everybody to fit like us because we don't want to see other people succeed because it's usually a bad reflection upon us. So I see somebody else succeed. I'd rather tear them down than build me up and say, I want that. It's he does it wrong. She does it. She's cutting corners. She's, you know, using people or whatever. Okay. Um, and I think that's a problem. 
I think the third thing, so you got to know who you are. You got to know your thing. You got to know who you are. You're unique. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different um, facets. Um, and, and then I think the other thing is you've got to learn what your own personal weapon is. Um, what I mean by that is we all have unique ways. And so, for instance, if we said a quarterback should be calm and directed, that's not true. Okay. I see it in golf all the time. People, you can't be emotional. But yet Tiger was the greatest golfer of our generation. Is emotional right? So <laughs> your weapon is what is the skill that you know when it's hitting the fan that you can go to? Okay. What is it that you have trained yourself to believe that when it's hard, because under complexity and under pressure, we want to expand when what we really need to do is narrow our focus. The top of the mountain has got the less oxygen. It's the hardest place to walk. It's the most difficult, right? So when it, you got to be a, you got to have a plan for when it gets hard. Don't be shocked. Anticipate it and over prepare. So I think if you do those three things, that's what the best of the best do. They know Michael Jordan knows he's going to go to his right hand when it's under pressure. And there's no doubt. This this is one of my favorite things I love about our relationship is uh, whether you know it or not. When we whenever we meet, I'm taking mental notes. Oh. Today, if everybody noticed, I was taking physical notes. Because iron sharpens iron, and I know it's the same for you, and I can tell in our conversation, like, we're never finished. No matter who you have the opportunity to work with, no matter what championships you win, that's not what it's about. It's about that opportunity to get better, to learn, to continue to grow, to seek true greatness, which is every day. For me, I believe, you know, getting a little bit better every single day and finding those ways to win. Well, let me, let me, let me say two things, and the reason why I love sitting and talking with you is I learn – um, I bring on a buddy of mine quite often, Dr. Kevin Chapman, who's the best anxiety guy I've ever worked with in my life. And I'm sitting taking notes. When I listen to you and I watch your videos, I'm taking notes because, you know, the thing that people have to realize is everybody's brought into our life for us to learn. Okay. So something that's been taught in my family, the, the two guiding principles in my family's life was my dad's was uh, treat other, you know, treat others as you want them to treat you, the golden rule. So he lived his entire life by the golden rule. And my mom's was learn from everybody in your life because they're, they're a blessing and a present being brought to you. And if you don't learn the lesson, the lesson's going to get more difficult. We don't know anything. All we know is the willingness to learn from others and gain our depth. You know, if you go to a, if you go to a Ritz Carlton or you go to a Motel 6, there's one person in that organization that's going to determine the quality of your stay. And it's the maid. Okay, they're going to determine the quality of your room and the details and the excellence in there. But that's the person we always overlook. We leave our stuff on the floor. We, we don't pick up our sheets. And we assume that they're there for us, but we never even tell them thank you. We may say, thank you, I'm leaving and clean my room now. But nobody ever stops to talk to the, the cleaning staff and say, hey, I tell you what, thank you. Because you travel a lot, I travel a lot. I've been in five stars where I go in the shower and there's hair in the tub from the person there before me, right? And I've also gone to um, budget motels and budget hotels where I walk in and I'm like, this is the cleanest room I've ever been in. That <laughs> meant that somebody took the time to care enough about me to be excellent in what they do. And yet they would never be seen. Right. And so to me, learn from point. those people, learn from yeah. them. Right. And so to me, if I've got, if you and I are working with a young kid, let's say in Tuscaloosa, who's struggling, he comes to you and I to, to learn something, but my goodness, I learn more from them than they learn from me. No doubt. You know, they have such unique experiences. I want to learn and grow. 
that's that's what I just get so jazzed up about. That, that, that's one of the things that I, I would never get into stories. People can go find it for themselves. But you know, this draft class for Alabama was such an unbelievably unique class in terms of talent, which is what everybody sees. Mm. But anybody watching, you pick any one of those players that was drafted and you go look at their stories and their stories and their burn will actually fuel you, ignite you, inspire you, and you'll realize that's why those players are special, and that's why it's going to be an unbelievable draft class that does big things in the league. It's not really because of their talent. It's because of that fuel and that fire and how special they are because of their story. Well, and you know what? And we're so thankful we live in a time now where people are willing to be vulnerable. I think the Players' Tribune has done more for players' vulnerability and openness to share than anything we've ever been around. I agree. It, 15 years ago, there was nobody would ever have gone on the Major League Baseball disabled list for psychological or mental health issues. Um, they would have a back strain. They would have a sore shoulder. Now, it's not uncommon to see somebody say, disabled list John Trell Willis was one of the very first anxiety um Rick Ankiel talking about his alcoholism and drinking before he pitched um that openness and that willingness to discuss well those are the stories that we find to find that strength and that fire that burn comes from somebody in our life who's who either believed in us or or, or brought that pain to us to fire. I think real quick, I think we have five people in our life that we always have to have. We have to have competitors, people that we look in our life and we say, um, that guy, that woman, that's a competitor. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but if we, if we look at Alabama, right? Everybody uses Alabama as to raise the, to be the bar. Who's Alabama's competition? Well, Alabama's competition is yesterday. Okay. But Georgia uses Alabama. Everybody does a fourth quarter program but nobody does it like Alabama's because everyone's doing it to live up to Alabama and in the fourth quarter program. Alabama has got to be better. Okay. Number two, you have to have colleagues, you and I. Okay. If I can't call you and say, Hey dude, I'm struggling with something about how to communicate this. Or just before we went on, you and I were talking about something that, you know, I said, you know, I don't, whatever I want to, Oh yeah, I've done that. I've been through that. Let me share with you. And it's non-judgmental. You don't hang up and go, oh, my God, Brett is a total <laughs> Okay, You're thinking, man, I brought him some wisdom and, and helped him. Yeah. Okay? We got to have um, – uh, we, we got to have um, – so colleagues, competitors. Um, I just lost the name of it, but it's essentially is – it's somebody's like our mom, congratulators. I, I can't – I just lost the word this early in the morning. Um, but it's somebody who is telling us how good we are all the time. And, you know, it's like, hey, you know, confidence builders, there it is. Somebody who's like, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep on that path. Because the world, the world is very overly sensitive to the negativity we have in our lives. And sometimes it's okay to have somebody say, I'm very proud of the way you did that. Now, those three are easy to find. Confidence builders, competitors, and colleagues. The two hardest ones are the ones that we avoid. We lose our, um, we, we lose the challengers and the critiquers. A challenger is somebody who has our best interest in mind, who has a loving interest to see us perform at our best, but is willing to be 100% honest with us and never accept good is good enough. Okay, a lot of times, like, I look back at as coaches that I've had, you know, you come in with a product and you're feeling good about yourself and they go, it could be better. 
Okay. And you're like, oh man, but you know that their heart is good. My major advisor in grad school was a really difficult challenger. He would hang up the phone on you. He would tell you you weren't good enough. He would tell you stuff like that. But he, his ultimate goal was the best version of you. The final one we have is a critiquer. And a critiquer is somebody who comes at you hard. And I'm not going to say doesn't have the best interest. Everybody has the best interest. But what it is is they're not involved in that journey all the time. They're that third person that comes in and says, you're not going to make it if you do this, this, and this. Okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, you. And if you can't find those five people, then you're failing yourself because you got to have people to help build your confidence. But at the same time, you got to have somebody who is willing to say, Brett, that writing was garbage, garbage. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, in my business, um, my wife or Brett Basham, they're both my challengers. I'll give a talk and Brett will be with me. We'll get in the car and he'll say, you want feedback? And, you know, I'm still on the high, right? You know, that emotional, whoo, and he'll say, your intro was way too long. You lost people in the audience. It took you too long to get there. You've got to get better. And I'm like, I don't want to hear it, but I know that he cares enough to share that with me. Yeah. My wife is the same way in business. Like, hey, we got to have some plans here, buddy. And she, she's saying it from a loving standpoint. And so we've got to fill those five people in our heart and soul. I love it. Absolutely love it. One, one final question. So all of the experience, seeing these high performers, behavioral medicine, understanding mindset, arguably as well as anybody in the, in the world today for what you do, what advice would you give? Because people ask me this all the time. How do you stay connected to the burn? What's the best way to stay connected? Because a lot of people say, okay, I understand it, but how do I stay connected to it? You don't, okay? We, we naturally have what's called a motivational drift where the motivation that starts us is never the motivation that keeps us going. I mean, you've got bulging arms and muscles. What started your 300 days of unbroken, unrequired work <laughs> is not the same motivation as today, right? What started it is different than it, what is keeping you going today. So you have to ask yourself on a regular basis, why do I want to keep doing this? What is it important for me? The motivation to get us started, we can write all the books and blogs in the world, but nobody ever writes the book of what to do when the burn dies. And it does because we get distracted. The mind is attracted to novelty. Well, once we've done it a little while, it's no longer novel. And so now you've got to take the time to reflect back and say, do I want to keep going? Why do I want to keep going? And is it, or, or is it better for me to stop? Well, for you, that burn of you physically, I'm just using that as an example, yeah. something different. Now it's like, well, oh, I don't want to let myself down. I want to keep pushing myself. What started was, can I start today? Right? right. <laughs> well, now it's like in business. There are times in business, everybody in business, everybody in the world takes a two-week vacation at some point over the course of a year, two weeks, right? That's the standard in the United States. And I think sometimes even as our athletes, we forget that it's okay to take a step back and say, man, I'm not feeling it today. Okay, just acknowledging that is half the battle. Now, can I find the best that I have available to me today? I, I can argue I don't feel great today, but I can also say, can I be my best when I don't feel the, my, can I find my best today? If you can do that, you can keep that burn, you know, you can keep adding oxygen to it to keep it going. I love it. What, what, a, what a great perspective. And uh, I got a full page of notes here in front of me. I can't wait to uh, get those put in my phone because my phone is where I keep uh, 
everything that is uh, meaningful to me to reflect back on. And, you know, I reflect back on all the conversations that we've had. I reflect and I will reflect on this conversation. And I just want to say thank you for joining us to share your story, to share your perspective. And everybody, please make sure, check out the Catalyst School. Uh, make sure that you check out the Catalyst Podcast. I think it's, you know, those deep, real relationships, right? Not surfacey stuff, but I love how you always go deep, you know, and, and really bring out the best in people. I really love that about your interviews. And uh, I can't wait to see you back in Tuscaloosa. When, uh, I got, I got, one, fa I, I got one favor to ask of you. Please. Next time you come into town, please come in a night early so we can go to dinner when I'm in town. <laughs> okay, because we never get that opportunity. You and I are running across the world and we're crossing in the world in the night. Um, probably crossing more across the, the flyover states than we are in the state of Alabama. But come in town. We're going to have a great dinner when we can all be within six feet of each other. And uh, thank you for everything that you've done for our athletes, for me, and for our friendship and our development and everybody that's watching this. Because uh, right now, we just need a, con a consistent reminder of why we keep walking our walk. Always in your corner, brother. I appreciate you. Good job, brother. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Burn Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts to get notifications as new episodes release every week. To connect with Ben, follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Continued Fight. Until next time, keep attacking one day at a time.